Hi, welcome to the D2C Growth Show by Hashtag Paid. My name is Roger, and every episode, I sit down with founders and leaders at some of the most exciting direct-to-consumer brands on the planet. We talk to them about how they started, how they launched, and what they're doing to grow. And today, I'm talking with Alex Icon, who's the co-founder at Luxie Hair, a D2C brand that started back in 2010 and now has over 250,000 customers in 165 countries. He's also co-founded Intelligent Change, where he's building products to boost happiness and increase productivity. Thanks for joining us, Alex. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. You speak a lot about gratitude. Yeah. And so I think it'd be appropriate to kick off the interview by, by maybe asking you two things that you're grateful for. Oh, well, I'm really grateful for my life, just in general, to, to be alive, to be healthy. I think it's especially, you know, with all the craziness always happening around the world. I think it's good to remind ourselves that we're healthy. Uh, and then just uh, grateful for my family, for my wife, for my daughter. It's always the basics, you know. <laughs> You've incorporated this. Uh, a lot of this focus on gratitude into your five-minute journal, a product that you've launched uh, with Intelligent Change. Can you tell me how specifically? Yeah, definitely. I think well, for myself with five-minute journal, and you know, we've kind of created one of the first guided journals. And what a guided journal it really is, for a lot of people, it's overwhelming to fill out a blank journal you know, from scratch. And it's like, okay, what do I write? What do I do? And um, we're just kind of thinking for ourselves when we created the product is that I, I realized that in my life, the thing that has helped me the most, the most on my entrepreneurial journey is really my mindset. Um, I think what really separates most people is not just, you know, knowledge or wisdom. You can be very smart, uh, but your mindset around how you approach problems or how you approach life can make all the difference. And one of the most powerful mindsets that I have been able to gain over the years is the mindset of being grateful. And I think the thing that most people don't understand is that you don't just become grateful under overnight or you're just not just a grateful person. You like kind of like, it's not a thing that you're just born with. Uh, I'll say I myself, uh, like many grew up, uh, you know, not really appreciating my parents, not appreciating my opportunity that I have, uh, or, um, really where I am or being young and having energy. And, uh, however, over time, once I changed my mindset, I was able really to get more in life. <laughs> and that's the, that's the really funny thing with life is that the more appreciative you are, the more things you actually uh, see and get, um, without kind of that expectation, of course. So the 500 journal really came born out of the idea. How do I practice that idea of gratitude? Because what I really believe in is it's important to create a habit. You know, you don't just change, you don't just go to the gym and work out a few times and say, Hey, I'm good. You know, I've kind of worked out for 30 days. I should be good now. Um, if you want to stay healthy, you have to keep eating healthy. You have to make it more of a lifestyle. And how do you incorporate, for example, um, exercise in your daily life? Well, you have to think about it, whether you, you know, bike on your way to work or you go to the gym every day. That's how you kind of say, stay fit. Same with your diet. Uh, but many of us don't think about it on our mental level. So for myself, I just wanted to create a tool that I myself personally would use. And what I like to call, you know, the 500 journalists, a toothbrush for your mind. You know, you brush your teeth every morning and night. Well, why don't you brush your mind every morning and night and just remind yourself of, like I said, you wake up right in the morning and say, 
you know, I'm grateful for, list three things that you're grateful for. Next question, the five-minute journals, what will make today great? So what are the three things that will be good and could be great today? And what you're doing there is you're really conditioning your mind to start focusing on the good, start looking at opportunities uh, or what, you know, what good things are going to happen today. And the last one in the morning is your daily affirmation. So it's a saying a powerful statement of I am, you know, who you are. A lot of us have have created a lot of negative language and patterns in our mindset. And I think this is really the reason why a lot of people don't achieve anything in life. And I'm not just talking about, you know, material success. I'm also talking about life, friendships, partnerships, love, you know, the whole shebang. Um, and you have to have something, you know, a statement that empowers you on a daily basis and remind yourself of who you are. Um, so for example, mine is really basic is I'm healthy, strong, and, and energetic. So that's kind of my focus. I want to maintain my health and energy. And how do I do that? And then the evening portion, as we brush our teeth before we go to bed, we brush our teeth, our mind before we go to bed. So it's just a recap. So same thing. What are the three amazing things that happened today? And you recall those things. Uh, because most people, when they go at the end of the day, they bitch and complain to their um, partners or anybody else or even to themselves. And, and like I said, create a lot of negative thought patterns in their mind. And once you have those negative thought patterns, uh, they bring you down even more. And what I've realized for myself is that once you have this new uh, empowering self-talk, you're just able to operate on a whole different level. Um, and the last question is, how could I make today better? Um, and it, what we say in the instructions to that journal is you actually um, – stated in the positive so you don't just go negative on yourself so like here's my last question to be negative or critical of myself even in that question of, that may seem negative like how could i make today better you once again have that um mental exercise of recalling your day and seeing how could you have improved it what could you have done better and stating that positive tense so there you go that's the five minute journal you can do it by yourself you don't need to buy anything um you can do it in your blank notebook but what i found is once you have a framework and you have something beautiful by your bedside uh you want to do more and now we have you know over 500,000 customers of, of that product alone, um, more than 250,000 uh, customers of the productivity planner. Um, and it's, and have also created a lot of other competitors in the space who have done really well as well. So we kind of in the way created in industry, which has been great. You're also big on having a growth mindset. You talk a lot about fixed versus growth mindset. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Uh, so mindset by Carol Brooks has definitely been uh, a pivotal kind of idea and uh, work for us. And this is the same thing as I've been really speaking about is that idea of fix a growth mindset. You know, once you have a fixed mindset, you're like, well, this is my level. And this is what I'm going to add. I grew up in this area and my father was like this and I'm just going to stay this way. And my parents call me stupid. So I'm stupid and I'm just going to not try it. But the same thing can be even opposite. If you call your kids, uh, smart, then they actually don't want to fail and perform. So they just start being kind of average. Um, so this idea of mindset is really how do we help people and most importantly yourself um, develop this mindset of, of always learning, of understanding that you can always improve um, and understanding that you can evolve as a person and not that, that you're not fixed as an individual. And this is something that I, of course, I really believe in because even in my own life, uh, this has worked for me so well because actually, uh, I guess growing up, uh, I, I wouldn't say, let's say my father would say me and, and it would really kind of motivate me in, in a positive way, which actually like 
do very fixed mindset stuff like compare me to my sister, uh, call me that I'm not good at math and things like that. And it kind of really fixed my mindset. So, but the, the reality is once you have awareness that, uh, of this research and, and of these different ideas, you're able to go beyond that. And, um, I was not the greatest student in um, high school or university. And at the same time, I was able to really, uh, outperform, let's say a lot of my classmates in life, uh, not just financially, but also in regards to say, uh, with partnerships or just overall life being, how come, what, what makes me different? And I think it's not that I'm, like I said, I'm any smarter than anybody else, but it's just around that mindset of, of to always keep learning. So when I graduated, let's say from university, I didn't say, Hey, I have my degree and that's it. You know, it's time for me to like, I got all my knowledge. Uh, but it was actually just the beginning. And to this day I'm learning more. I love, uh, whether it be listening to audiobooks or podcasts like yours, um, or, uh, you know, reading other books, uh, always trying to see how I can improve and, um, better myself as a human being. And that's what this is the whole idea of now the company intelligent changes. How do we help people uh, improve their lives for the better as well? And this is something that I'm just really excited about. How does the productivity planner help people set up their weeks so that they are focused on growth? Yeah. So same thing. I think as many entrepreneurs, what I focus, what I realized is that we're all over the place. I think especially being entrepreneurial, you have, you may have many ideas uh, or visions of how you want to create, but if you're just having visions and you're not executing it, well, you're just hallucinating, right? As, as, uh, as a famous kind of quote goes. So with uh, what I found myself as I was going on this journey of entrepreneurship is that I would have so many tasks in a day that I would have to do. And I would have my, you know, pretty moleskin where it would be like today's Tuesday and here are all the tasks that I have to do. And what I would find myself over and over with having, you know, 20 plus tasks in a day is that most of the time I'm just cherry picking the tasks that I want to do versus the tasks that I actually have to do uh, that will help me kind of improve and grow whether it be as myself or the business. And then I got introduced to uh, the productivity planner, uh, not productivity planner. Then I got introduced to the, the Pomodoro technique. And the, what the Pomodoro technique is really about just doing one thing at a time and setting a timer for 25 minutes and just doing one task. And for me, that was really game changing. And then I've learned about the Ivy Lee method. So Ivy Lee method comes from this uh, consultant, Ivy Lee, back in the day. He used to be also in PR. Um, and he helped Charles Schwab. There's a, a few of them. Uh, he's very rich, Charles Schwab. So there's one in finance, and there's one that we may know, and there's one in steel. And Charles Schwab, uh, the steel magnet, you know, who's kind of like multi-billionaire uh, of his time, said uh, to Ivy Lee, hey, can you come in and help us figure out how you can make my staff be more productive? And Ivy Lee said, sure. Um, what we'll do is I'll kind of give you a simple framework and you give us a go for a few months and report back to me and whatever you think it's worth, uh, just pay me. And uh, all the Ivy Lee method really is, is just saying, hey, get your staff or yourself to do three to five tasks max but mostly just try to have, you know, three most important tasks of the day. Have your number one task that you do in a day be your most important task of the day. And what we kind of underline in your most important task of the day is 
if this was the only thing you did today, you'd be satisfied. Because going back to my earlier example is, hey, you have 20 tasks, so you may have done 10, but if they're just kind of little small tasks here and there, and they're not really helping you go move forward towards you know, building that business or creating that growth plan or doing whatever, then what's the point? You're not really moving towards your own growth in whatever way you're measuring it. And so that's what we really did. We just combined the Ivy Lee method of doing three to five tasks a day, doing your most important tasks of the day first, and then only then moving on to your second task. Um, and utilizing the Pomodoro technique by working in 25 or 30 minute chunks, taking a five minute break, and then moving on. And kind of that system you know, has worked, like I said, I just had an idea, it helped me put it together, and here we are with you know, a quarter plus million customers who love and use the product. And now I'm working on you know, kind of new improved editions, which I'm really excited about to be launching later on this year as well. You were really inspired by Wall Street, the movie. <laughs> you wanted to be Gordon Gecko. So what happened? Uh, well, what happened was uh, I got fired, right? So I, I, was working, <laughs> I was working at a bank because I thought, you know, it's what I do. I get a, you know, uh, where you are right now in Toronto, Canada is, uh, it's a, especially I think now it's changing with more entrepreneurial culture, but I'll say more than a decade ago. And even now it's still a, a more of a financial kind of capital of Canada. And you, we have lots of banks, majority of banks. And I was just growing up poor. I thought, well, the place to go make money is the bank because they, they do with money. So I should go there. And, um, I started out at retail level at the uh, Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce and I was doing well, but I got fired and I got fired because I had a side hustle. So that's a lesson to anybody listening is uh, don't do side hustles when you're working for a bank and use your corporate email address for them. Um, so it was, not, it, was not, it was nothing illegal, but it was just more about I breached the contract because I was working on the bank's time, which I totally get it. You know, if I had an employee working for me and not doing his work, um, you know, I'll probably have a talk with them as well. You got to tell us what the side hustle was. Uh, the side hustle was uh, one of my friends who's really also an entrepreneur to this day, very successful in Toronto. It's still in the same business, actually, but just locally. Um, he was from Russia and he knew people who'd want to buy uh, cars from the U.S. because there was arbitrage of uh, when you import and custom cars into the U.S. and buy from U.S., like buying them at auctions. Uh, their savings and you can kind of charge a broke, you know, kind of a commission for that. So that's all we did. We were just, he had customers who say, Hey, I want a Mercedes SUV. And we're like, okay, cool. We'll find them. We'll ship them. We'll kind of do all the paperwork, uh, put in the container and send it there and they'll receive it in there, uh, whatever city they're from. Uh, so that was kind of the side hustle, but then kind of markets changed, customer rules changed and that didn't uh, go, I guess as, as, as further possible. How did you go from being a entrepreneur to an entrepreneur? That's a good question. I think many of us who may be listening right now, who already may be entrepreneurs or um, even you know, becoming entrepreneurs, is that I think we have to first clearly define what is an entrepreneur. I think right now it's very sexy to be an entrepreneur, and but without us really knowing what that really is. And I was even myself. Um, at first, my entrepreneurial journey really started, like I said, when I got fired from the bank, I tried different side hustles. So 
I was trying to do social media consulting in 08, 2008, uh, when everything was just kind of coming on. And I saw a huge opportunity in what, how commerce will change. And, but even then, you know, providing social media consulting services is more being self-employed. It's not being an entrepreneur. Uh, being an entrepreneur is really when you create an organization or a system that can function without you. Um, so whether that is even if you're making sales or, or it's online or whatever, but it's really a business that can grow and function without just a single individual, especially you as a founder. So, so for me, um, that first experience was when we set up the systems and we made our first sale um, when we were sleeping. You know, I remember when we launched Luxy Hair, our first business, and we were traveling and we woke up and there was two sales. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that is incredible. I slept and I made money. Because be, being, you know, as most of us, being an hourly worker or a salaried worker, um, to be able to create a system that can then create income for you while you're not there, it seems like magic. Uh, but in reality, it's how most businesses are set up. And that's what entrepreneurship really is, is setting up those organizations and systems to be able to create value. Now, before Luxie, both you and Mimi were unemployed. How did you get from, from unemployment to launching the brand? Um, yes, we're very lucky. You know, I think being Canada and having uh, a good um, system that helps people. So even if you get laid off or fired, you still get like, you paid into employment insurance when you're working. And that means when you're unemployed, you're still getting some sort of money. Um, so I recently actually even did, uh, another interview with like basic income. And in a way it was like universal basic income, right? It was, I was kind of getting, well, the government pays you kind of to keep looking for a job while I was trying to figure out, um, Hey, let me give this entrepreneurial thing a try and do these different side hustles and building websites for people or trying to provide social media consulting services and not really <coughs> succeeding. And then also there's another program. Once your employment insurance runs out in Canada, I'm not sure if it still exists, but it's called the self-employment benefit. And it's a grant given to people who were on employment insurance, meaning who were fired or laid off before. And um, you get a grant of like 25000 that you don't have to pay back to start a business. You, uh, you create a business plan. My business plan was to create that social media and digital marketing agency called Icon Media. I had big plans. Um, and um, that's really how it started. I would say it was just having that opportunity and chance of almost two years being supported by the government um, to be able to experiment and do other things. And when the money was running out, um, that's when we really did the Hail Mary and, and kind of invested all of our, not savings, but all of our credit, credit cards and line of credits um, into launching Luxy Hair, which then became, you know, a very successful business, and which we also then sold a year ago. So um, thank you for the government of Canada. I've uh, also <laughs> repaid, repaid my, uh, I guess, uh, loan uh, in, in, in good return for the government through tax dollars, um, through my, our employees and, of course, our own business. Maybe tell us about those early days at Luxie. I know you were heavily focused on, on creating value for your customers. Can you tell us how you did that? 
Um, yeah, for sure. I think what we understood right away, as I've said before, about social media just popping up, I was really influenced by Gary Vaynerchuk and I'll say Seth Godin before he was big. So we're talking, you know, Crush It, his first book in 2008. Um, and I was really closely following what he was doing with Wine Library by providing people great content online. So that was our go-to market strategy. We were going to create, we had a hair extension company and we we're going to have great content through YouTube um, showing people, you know, how to look after their hair, create different hair tutorials and things like that. So my wife and her sister at the time would create this YouTube channel with all this content and then it would be create lead gens for the website. And, um, we then, you know, as, as things grew out, this library of content would just self-generate, um, a lot of sales, uh, as things happen because that channel would then, you know, I think to this day has probably over a half a billion views, more than 3 million subscribers, all organic, um, which I think is pretty amazing. And, and you can do the basic math of if you convert even a small number of it, you, we could do it fairly well. And what were your first couple hires there that allowed you to do this really well? Yeah, I think the first hires were really just basic. So customer, do your customer service uh, and somebody who help with social media uh, marketing. And then we kind of scaled to do, you know, just more operational things. And um, what has really, I guess, made a big impact was when I read the book Traction by Gino Wickman. It's something, it's a book that I recommend to any really, especially beginning entrepreneur to read, um, because I think most of us, um, who are entrepreneurial are not as organized or process, uh, driven. Maybe, uh, I mean, maybe you are, but I wasn't. And traction really laid out to me the, uh, the, the framework, um, for what is needed to grow the business, you know, how to build your organization, how to build your team. And, um, and also for one of the things he talks about, which even to this day I'm looking for right now is, um, every business needs a visionary. So a visionary is somebody who understands the product market fit, the branding has this vision for what this product is and how it will deliver value and the overall strategy. But you also need an integrator in the business. So more of an operations person that will actually really be able to execute and put a lot of these things together. And sometimes they're in, seen as partners, you know, so one party can be visionary, the other party can be an integrator. Uh, but a lot of times for ourselves, we were both my wife and I were more visionary. We needed an integrator. So we then hired, um, an integrator. So who was Lulu, who is now the current CEO, um, of Lexi here, even after we sold the business, she came in on as like, you know, a junior operations assistant and then quickly grew to general manager. Uh, and then, like I said, she's currently the CEO of the business. And when we sold it, actually, um, she was an integral part of the success because she's created a lot of those systems. Cause as you grow your business, especially if you want to be acquired by somebody else, uh, you need to have systems and processes in place. So Lexi hair was voted a best place to work. Why do you think that is? Why do employees love working at Lexi? Oh, uh, I think, oh, I think it really comes down to first, uh, the values that we've set as founders in regards to what is important, um, to us and what kind of people we want to hire for the organization. Um, but also, uh, what kind of a workplace do we want to create? So that's something going back to the, even the visionary integrator aspect, 
those earlier days with, let's say with Lulu, who would say, Hey, this is how the office needs to look like, you know, it needs to have this natural light. It needs to be the space where you can hang out and play cool music and have plants and have, you know, uh, organic food and, uh, snacks and things like that. Um, so th- that's our vision of, and have these benefits, uh, for employees. And then Lulu would then go on and ex- execute it with the team to actually make it happen. Um, so what I'm trying to say is that, um, the leadership has to really want to take care of their staff, um, and, and understand that they're an integral part of the business and treat them well. So that's what we do. So we did that. Another thing that we've really implemented, which I think was really important was doing, um, Alliance. So there's a great book called Alliance by Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn. And, uh, what it does is, you know, in a lot of smaller organizations like ours, it, it can be hard to keep people motivated when, uh, you don't have as much growth potential as let's say in a big corporate company, because in a smaller organization, you're fairly flat. So when you come in as a customer service person, like, well, am I just going to be customer service for life? Like, is this the only position available or how can I develop myself and alliance meetings kind of help really, um, the leadership and management uh, come together and have those conversations with staff, uh, to help them uh, progress their career. And it really means having transparent conversations of not just, Hey, you only work for us, but more of like, Hey, it's a two way street. We understand you need to develop yourself and potentially, Hey, you only work here for two years and go off and do other things. That's totally cool. Um, but that's more towards really understanding how millennials or Gen Z's really like to operate these days and, and give these same benefits. You know, we also have, for example, you know, remote work Fridays and benefits like, you know, Spotify stuff for the staff or, and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, it's also about how do we position of to empower each individual to have autonomy over their role. So even if you're a customer service working at customer at Lexi here, you still have, you know, that ability and power to, you know, gift a customer flowers if they see they're having a bad day or uh, refund them for shipping or discount, whatever, uh, because our ultimate policy, well, at least when we ran the business was, um, you know, do what it feels right to be human. Like if you were in this position of this customer, how would you want to be treated? And because to me as a, as a person, as a founder, the thing that is my biggest pet peeve and pisses me off the most, um, is when people are like strictly follow policy and forget to actually be human. Um, I understand policies are there for a reason, Mm -hmm. but I think it's the same time we have to empower our staff to have that critical thinking of like, am I just being an asshole here <laughs> and not being human? And like, cause not, you know, like not all situations are the same. You know, I think, uh, Seth Godin says, you know, like go to McDonald's, uh, eat, you know, drink half of your milkshake, eat half of your Big Mac, uh, put your Big Mac into the milkshake and go to the counter and say, there's a Big Mac in my milkshake and they're probably going to refund you, you know, <laughs> they should be like, uh, because it's just policy. Like they don't know what to do. Um, so it's just, it's just really like a little story of, uh, of us. What we always try to do is uh, how do we help empower people to really take that responsibility and have that power to make decisions. And I think once you trust your staff, um, 
been a lot, you know, it really helps them feel just not like just cogs, not just, you know, people just having to stay, but have more purpose in their roles as well. You've also launched a brand called Love Hair. How are you thinking about growing those products, that brand? Uh, with Love Hair, uh, in all transparency, it's a bit been a trickier of a brand because um, we tried to actually not, it was our first brand we tried not to do uh, direct to consumer and try to create enough margin to be able to go to wholesale. So this is the reason why the goods are more premium. They also have more margin baked into them. Um, and the, the cost of the product is fairly high. So we're talking like, you know, 25 to $28 for a shampoo or conditioner. But the actual costs are actually very high as well for the actual product. They'll cost the actual cost for packaging and everything will cost more than your regular shampoo in a, in a let's say a shopper's drug mart or, or, or boots or whatever you are. Um, but with that, well, kind of the learning was because we were developing that brand in-house with Lexi Hair as a separate brand. And what happened was when we started launching at Love Hair was the same time we were working on selling the business. So the team that was working on was very excited, but then the attention went from like, Hey, we need to make sure we're growing Lexi Hair because we need to sell this business at this you know, valuation and make sure the business is growing. So all the attention kind of, uh, what we put into development, but when it came to launch, it was haphazard because, um, all the kind of attention went to the sale of Luxie here. And then when we, when we finally were supposed to roll out kind of our last product skew launch for love hair, we sold Luxie hair. And this was the kind of the biggest, you know, it was a great event, you know, for us and for many people, Luxie hair. However, at the same time, it was overnight. I have no staff <laughs> and I was able to, I was, I was able to, uh, still maintain control of that brand. So we said, oh, you know, the company who was acquiring Luxie hair, um, I just said, Hey, love hair is not part of the deal because it's like a, this baby that's not been developed yet. And we'll take it over and kind of grow it. Um, and then, so we took it over and had this business with no staff, but, and then what happened was even though, so we just sold this business, I had to then probably ramp up the staff for love hair. However, we just, uh, we have another business, as you said, intelligent change with five minute journal and product civic planner, which also was fairly lean on staff. And I had a little dispute with my business partner, 50-50, and we went through the process of that we've been going through a process even before we even started selling Lexi here of me buying him out of the business. Um, and that kind of dragged on for another almost a year um, from the sale of Lexi here. So with that, uh, love hair was kind of this middle child that didn't get as much love. So even right now, what I'm currently doing, planning to do. So anybody even listening is that because, um, I wasn't giving too much attention to it. I'm looking for either a, um, potentially this is, this is really like really new. So whoever listens to what might be incredible opportunity. If you are somebody who has a dream to kind of grow an e-commerce business and you have some sort of experience and whether it be corporate or anybody else, but you feel you have what it takes to, 
be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm kind of putting out of most likely a position of you can become like a general manager or even potentially CEO of this business, become a partner in this business. Uh, but you maybe you don't have that opportunity. Like as we did to invest half a million dollars into product development and branding of, the, of this business to curate and create your own SKUs. Uh, but you potentially might be a really great integrator. As I've said before, somebody who's operationally strong and can execute on this business. Um, so that's kind of looking for somebody like, anywhere in the world, you can be anywhere. We can build a team around you, invest in you in the business to grow it, potentially give you some cushion, have that ability to grow your equity into the business as well. Um, so that's in full transparency uh, of what the kind of love care is about. So we haven't uh, really focused too much on growing that business. The only really growth we've experienced with that business is just purely organic, just um, whenever Mimi would talk about it and we have some my wife and we have sales bikes. Um, but other than that, no other growth initiatives, um, because we've just been fully focused on acquiring intelligent change and now growing intelligent change just because it's a, it's a bigger business with bigger opportunity at the moment. Although I think love here has a great potential as well. What's the best? So you can hit me up. Listening, you can hit me up. Yeah. At, um, Alex at dreamcreate.it. That's my personal email. So whoever's listening can just hit me up, say, Hey, um, I'm your guy or girl um, to really take it to the next level. Or maybe you might be a partner who has that experience. We can take on a brand, grow it, and we can split the pie and everyone be happy. <laughs> Beautiful. And we will share your email in the in the show notes. Alex, you've also mentioned a couple books here today. The Alliance by Reed Hoffman, Traction by Gina Wickman, and Mindset by Carol Dweck. We'll also have the links in the show notes to those books because they are great recommendations. Alex, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thanks to you for the questions and the great interview. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. This is the D2C Growth Show by Hashtag Paid.